Your accountant may be very good at accurately accounting for where your law firm's revenues are coming from and going to, but they're not necessarily very entrepreneurial. They're not business growth advisors. And if you dig into it a little bit, there's a very good chance you will find they can't even grow their own businesses either. While Arjun was away, Team Arjun came to play. All the cats out of the bag now, folks, but we're still here bringing you our favorite and most importantly, actionable insights to Arjun's newest book, Profit First for Lawyers. We're going to help you accelerate your law firm's growth so that you can experience more profit in every aspect of your life. We're also going to be providing some behind-the-scenes footage of what it's really like to work with Arjun Robbins. So, put your BS aside for the next few minutes and put yourself, your family, your firm, and your profit first. Welcome back to another episode of the Profit First for Lawyers podcast. I'm your host, Carly, and today we are in studio with one of our fearless leaders of how to manage a small law firm. Today, we are talking to Oscar Ferenzi. Oscar, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. I'm so excited that you're here today. Um, I know we've gotten to speak in person a couple of times at various events, and I always have a blast talking to you. You have such a, a different perspective, a different mindset on so many things that has always kind of made me feel a little bit leveled up. So I'm excited to hear what we're going to learn today. Super. Let's begin. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, the first question that I usually ask on this show is go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, who are you? What do you do? And how did you first meet Arjun and come to work with him? So I'm the general manager for How to Manage a Small Law Firm. I have been here for about five years now. I met Arjun 12 years ago, and we met at a personal development program. Back uh, in the day, Arjun hadn't even started How to Manage. He was thinking about it. He had been doing some things. But uh, the business, um, as we know it today, didn't exist yet. Um, at the time, Erica, my wife, was building her own business. She was working with a coach that uh, Arjun and Ali were working with. And while we were in the audience one day, he asked, he looked at both of us and said, don't you guys both live in Miami? Do you guys know each other? We said, no. And we started talking and we became friends. As we started to grow, we realized that, you know, we were thinking in different ways. We were starting to look at things from a different perspective. And so we started getting together more often one of the things we enjoyed doing was after any one of the sessions we went to, we would come back, the four of us, uh, Arjun and Ali, Eric and I, and we would share notes of what we just went through. And it was amazing to see how different what I heard was from what Arjun heard or Erica or Ali. We were at the same meeting, and yet the four of us walked away with completely different um, perspectives of what we had just heard or learned over the last two days. So it, it helped us to start thinking differently, looking at opportunities differently, opening up new business opportunities. So I was working for the pharmaceutical industry at the time. I was running Latin America out of Miami. Um, long story short, we were able to grow the business from about $200 million to $500 million. And it came time to move from Miami. We had already lived in eight countries. So I was invited to move to Panama a ninth time. And uh, my family at the time said, no, not interested. 
And by the way, we're not interested in you traveling, so you got to go. So I stopped working for them and uh, started looking at what to do myself, which is when Arjun approached me and they were at $11 million at the time and didn't know what exactly to do as a next step to grow. Erica convinced Arjun to call me and say, look, he's sitting in the house figuring out what he wants to do next. And so give him a call. Maybe he can help. And so I came in and we agreed to start something together. Um, I said, look, after a year, we'll reevaluate. We'll see if I'm still excited, if it's working out for you guys. Um, that year we did, we went from 11 million to about 14 million. And for the first time, we actually started producing quite a significant uh, profit margin. And so the year went by, two years went by. It's now been five years and we still haven't talked about whether I stay or not. <laughs> We're probably going to break the $35 million mark this year with a much healthier profit than we had before. So that's, that's how we got to grow and that's how I started my career here. Wow. You know, I've heard snippets of that story before, but I haven't ever heard it in quite such a linear fashion. Um, that's quite a change, Oscar. Can I ask what excited you about how to manage? I mean, how do you go from a $500 million company to an $11 million company when you started? What was the draw? So the change came as a result of me wanting to do something different. At the time I was running a big company, lots of procedures, a lot of things are you know very standardized. And coming to an entrepreneurial environment was more exciting. It made me really pull on all the strings that I had and really dig into the things I could do and was able to do. And so I loved the business model. I had known the business model for about, like I said, since the day it started. And I would hear the stories about the clients. I had been to a couple of the LQMs. I had even met some of the customers. So it became exciting. I said, you know what? Let me do something different. And uh, that's how I started. Well, we're sure excited that you did that. I, can I ask then, do you still love it as much today? Is it still exciting? Because I know we're, yeah. we're on a path to fast growth. I would say I love it even more. It's exciting. We have grown. Like I said, we were at $11 million. This year, we'll cross the $35 million mark. Lots of things have happened. Uh, new products, new services, ways of doing the business, um, being smart about certain things we did, looking at all of our numbers, looking at the size of our firm. You know, back when I started five years ago, we were, if I'm not mistaken, 30 or 40 employees. This year, we'll probably end at about 120, 130 employees. So it's not just in terms of sales that we have grown. We've also grown a number of people. And that is the result of us really building departments that are running to support all of the different functions, all of the different groups that are in the organization, and more importantly, everything geared and focused towards providing the members the service that, you know, Arjun set out to do 12 years ago. So a lot of the things that we do today are very much aligned with his philosophy for why he built this business and why he's in this business. Yeah, and it sounds like that philosophy is something that definitely resonates with you and with the people around you, right? Trying to unlock people's fullest potential and make sure that they are getting the most happiness and most profit and success out of their businesses is something that kind of, it seems like it comes naturally to you almost. <laughs> it does. I, lo I love it. I mean, I was in the health industry. I say pharmaceuticals. 
Um, to me, we were in the business of quality of life. We were selling a better quality of life. The only reason why you take any kind of medicine is to be better, is to get better, is to prolong life. It's to improve the way you go about uh, living your life. So it's always been about how can you do something better, something. I used to tell the people that uh, we had in our sales force, and it depends what country we're talking about. We're talking about sales forces of three, four, 500 people. They, they were large sales forces. And I used to tell them, listen, guys, when you go out, when you see a doctor, when you talk to a doctor, and when you are trying to show them how your medicine improves the quality of life, that is when you're making a difference. The money will come. That's not the issue. The issue is to make sure that what you are selling, what you're offering is going to do good. And the same thing applies here. We're also doing good. We're changing the way people live. We're changing families. We're changing the way families are approaching wealth, how they're approaching being together, how they interact with each other. You know, you mentioned something that, that goes very, very well in hand with what we believe about the business. About a year, year and a half ago, our job and I were in a meeting in somewhere in Texas, I think it was Dallas. And they said, try to summarize what you do in one word. So Arda and I are sitting there, we sat there for at least an hour and we took our vision and our mission and our values and we reviewed it all for 45 minutes, just reading and reading. We're like, how do we get this into one one word is impossible. Two words, hard. It's, there's no way. And we walked away with something you just said. We are, we're about two things. We are about um, your full potential and against your limiting beliefs. And so what we try, what we are striving to do is get people to live to their fullest potential. And in order to do that, you have to give up on all the limiting beliefs that you have. And so if you're able to achieve that, people reach their dreams, people change their way there, they look at the world, they look at everything around them and how they're even contributing themselves to those around them and to those they serve. I really like that. You know, we, we hear a lot about reaching your full potential and I have heard before to, so it wasn't eradicate, but your limiting beliefs. Um, but, but I, I don't really remember hearing those two together. We're all for your full potential and against your limiting beliefs. And against your limiting beliefs. God, I love that. Because it's so true too, right? Like there are so many things. Arjun likes to talk about the the fishbowl of your childhood, right? And what gets gets put in there and those things that you believe about yourself. Uh, and it always makes me think of like the Olympics, when somebody breaks a record that everybody thought was impossible to beat before. And then after they break it, suddenly more and more people start being able to break that particular record. Um, and I, I think that is the the limiting belief saying, oh, this part's impossible, just kind of locks you up in your own body that even if you have a better potential, you don't know because your beliefs are limiting what you think you can do and therefore you can't do more than that. I couldn't agree more with you. It's I think it's what it's all about. At the end of the day, we're capable of doing great things and we sometimes become our worst obstacle. And so if you're able to remove that obstacle, which is all your limiting beliefs, the fishbowl, and everything that went in it over your years as you were growing, it's limitless, the things you can do. And I think if we're all going out on the street every day and trying to really 
become the best version of ourselves, that's what actually gets us to grow. That's what actually makes us valuable to everybody around us, not just those who deal with you, but everybody around you. It has a multiplying effect. And to me, that's that's exciting. It's how you give back and how you actually help yourself become an even better person every day. Ooh, I love the way that you said that. Even even just the verbalization that you put in there, it almost felt like gravity became a little less heavy for me for a second, right? It was almost like, ooh, I'm going to lift up out of my seat. It felt a little more like freedom. That like, you're limitless. Oh, what a great thought. Um, You obviously work really, really closely with Arjun directly. Um, Everybody always wants to know, what is it actually like to work with somebody like Arjun on a day-to-day basis? It's fun. It's, It's exciting. It's fun. It's unpredictable. If it's Monday, he's had two days to think of hundreds of ideas that he wants to make real and tangible. So Mondays is a tough day. Tuesday is a little bit better. Wednesday, we got to shake things up because it's already been two days and not much has happened. Thursday, you would think you start winding down to Friday, you take the day off, but it doesn't happen. It's always fun. It's always exciting. Um, I have scrapped so many ideas that he picks from the garbage and says, why you scrap this one? I'm like, there's nothing to do with that. And he says, oh, but I can think of a few things. And he actually (laughs) will. And when I listen, I'm like, how did he even think about that? Like in my wildest dreams, I would have never come up with that alternative. And it comes second nature to him. It's so natural. It's so easy. It's actually funny to see him spark up. And all of a sudden he goes to the drawing board there and he starts creating all kinds of designs and ideas and subgroups and subsets. So it's, it's always fun. And like I said, he's an idea machine. It's creativity all the time. You know, it always follows one thing that I respect very much of him. It has to be a win-win. He doesn't create anything for the sake of. If both parties don't win, he will not go through with the idea. And so he's always true to that philosophy and it makes it easy for him to then present it to somebody try to sell it to somebody, try to get somebody to actually follow him and buy it or sign up for it or do something with it because they know he will stand behind it. And so he instills that as we're looking at ideas and really exploring opportunities. Is it a win-win? Is there a purpose? Is there value? And so many things we have to scrap because it's not a win-win. Many things, um, unfortunately, are not necessary at this point in time. He says, you know what, that's, he, he has a list of things that are important, things that need to get done and things that he wants on the radar. Just keep it on the radar. One day we'll come back to it, not today. And he, he understands that perhaps we're not ready for it. The market is not ready for it. The people that we serve are not ready for it. So you know what, put it on the radar. One day we'll come back to it. Um, so yeah, very few ideas actually get scrapped we actually revisit a lot of ideas. Um, We sometimes come back to the same idea every year when we're doing our strat plan. And we really think about it, say, is this the time? And no, it isn't. You know, put it in the drawer and keep it until next year. We'll reevaluate, you know, in 12 months. And so that's, that's always fun. And yeah, that's, 
that's really the, every day here is a lot of fun and it's exciting and it's challenging and some days are better as you would expect and some days are, are very tough um, because we get let down you know he he hopes for an idea to be a success only to realize it wasn't understood it wasn't seen the same way by some others and so we got to kill it or we got to stop it or put it away and deal with it some other day and so those are sad days those are days in which yeah we're tense because it didn't work out um but we go on to the next one and we don't dwell on it for too long because there's so many things you can do that we just keep moving forward so that's that's what it is to work for arjun I love what you said too, that you often, you know, he comes up with things that you would never think of in your wildest dreams. And what came up for me when you said that was my definition of my wildest dreams has definitely expanded, right? My, my dreams are wilder since having worked for how to manage than they were before. <laughs> Let me ask you then, Oscar. So what is one of the most profitable pieces of advice that Arjun has given you in the 12 years that you guys have known each other? Um, that you've been able to put into practice that has made your life more filled with profit than it was before, whatever that definition means to you? Good question. He is, he's a firm believer in the truth, truth above all. Not to say I wasn't, but maybe I was a little bit more diplomatic, discreet. Telling somebody the truth is very liberating, but very nerve-wracking because you're not sure how people are going to take it. And in his book of business, he says, look, I'm not fearful. You might not like me, and that's okay. But at least I will have told you the truth, and I will have tried to help you understand what is happening or understand where you're coming up short or what you're doing or where you're kidding yourself. And so his relentless effort to speak the truth and share the truth is something that has been very interesting to me and transformational because like I said, sometimes you want to be liked. And so you'll stop short of really telling somebody how they can improve because you feel it might be hurtful to them. And it might be, but at the end of the day, it's the truth. Get the person to really get over that and you'll make a person much more successful. And so that's one thing that I believe he has lived by and has worked well for him. You know, not everybody loves him. He's not a hundred dollar bill, but neither are we. And so some people will like you and some people will not. At the end, he can walk away and say that at least I shared the truth. And so that's one thing I've learned from him that I think is very valuable. I really enjoy that thought too, because I remember in, in kind of the first couple of months that I had been working here, I heard Arjun giving kind of a coaching call to the advisors and he told them something along the lines of, if I get every single one of the members that you work with, if they love you unilaterally and have nothing bad to say about you, then I'm going to be very, very skeptical that you're telling them the truth that they need. Because if you don't have at least one person who's kind of mad at you, right, that you're probably not giving them the truth that they need to hear in order to improve. It's made me question my definition of the word nice versus the word kind. You know, is it more kind to seek after somebody's full potential, even though it might hurt their feelings or it might uh, be a bit of a shock, right? But it might be more truth than you're comfortable sharing. Or is it less kind to just let them continue on and, and not fight for their full potential? So Oscar, you brought a clip in for today from Arjun in the recording studio. Do you want to go ahead and introduce that? 
So the clip is all about Arjan talking about accountants and how true they are to what they do and what they preach. The reason why I picked it is I am an accountant by profession. When I graduated school, that's that was my title. I graduated in business administration and accounting. So the numbers are useful only if they can be a story. That story is supposed to represent what has happened and more importantly, help you make the decisions of what is to happen. Where do you invest? Why do you invest? How do you monitor? What are your KPIs? How do you track what is actually happening versus what you thought would happen and the ultimate reason why you decided to invest? So if you can't figure that out, the numbers are useless. So the closer you are to understanding your numbers, the better decisions you will make, the better your business will do, and the more profitable you will be. Now, that's why I picked up on that video clip from Arjun, and I wanted to share it. All right, well, let's take a look then. Let's roll that clip. Guests who probably never took even a single class in their life either about the business of how to manage an accounting firm or a law firm. That's right. You're accountant. Accountants are trained to be technicians. They're trained to account for where all the revenues came from. They're trained to account for where all the revenues went to when it became an expense. And if there happens to be anything left over, they're trained to call that profit and give it to you. Your accountant may be very good at accurately accounting for where your law firm's revenues are coming from and going to, but they're not necessarily very entrepreneurial. They're not business growth advisors. And if you dig into it a little bit, there's a very good chance you will find they can't even grow their own businesses either. Want to put this to the test? Well, Ask your CPA or your bookkeeper if you can please see a copy of their written business plan. Ask them what metrics they are using to track the performance of their own marketing strategy. Ask if they even have a marketing strategy that extends beyond when next month's rent is due. Do they have any sort of sales system to convert prospects into paying clients while they are away from the office with defined emergency access only for weeks or months at a time. Ask the CPA or bookkeeper whose advice you rely upon to share with you some of their own written job descriptions that they use to hire and train or manage their own staff. What sort of ongoing internal training programs do they have in place in their business? What are the key performance indicators, KPIs, that they use to measure the performance of their staff fairly and objectively. Say to them, look, I really want to improve the profitability of my business. Would you please share with me how you document your own most important workflow processes and procedures and how you systematize the workflow in your own accounting firm? And if you really want to see the bloom fall off the rose, ask your CPA or your bookkeeper what financial reports they review for their own business, how often, and why. Okay, Oscar, I see where you're going with this one. So know your numbers, 
And more importantly, make sure that the person helping you actually follows their own advice. Um, <laughs> make sure that they can share a business plan. Ask them for their business plan. Ask them how they know what their growth is going to be in the next year. They might not be able to tell you, you know what, I'm going to hit exactly 12%. But they need to have a plan that says, my intention is to grow by 12%, and this is how I'm going to do it. I need so many new customers. I need to invest so much in marketing. I need to have a sales machine that is going to bring me those customers. And this is what I need from the back office in terms of delivering all those services. If the person cannot show you he or she does it themselves, then they're probably just talking a great story and not the implementing the things they are saying are useful. So you walk the talk, show me what you measure success and how you measure success. Show me how you make your decisions. What numbers are you yourself looking at that perhaps I should learn to look at in order to make my own decisions? And so if the person trying to buy or help you with your business can't do that themselves, well, how are they supposed to teach you how to do it? Because theory, you can learn in a book. You want somebody who is experienced, who has done it themselves, and who can actually lead you, guide you, and show you how to do it. Don't take advice from somebody who knows less than you. Take advice from somebody who has done it and can show you that they actually can do the work. Yeah. You know, I think that that really goes along really well with what you were saying before the clip, too, as far as the most profitable bit of advice that Arjun gave you, because I almost think that that really ties in with telling the truth, right? Because if you're yeah. giving advice that you yourself has have never taken, that's right. not that's not really very being very truthful to yourself either. Right? If your advice isn't right. good enough that you want to take it, <laughs> and, then we maybe need to reevaluate. Yes. Yes. You know, one time, you know, you talk about things, Arjun, that uh, I have learned from him. One time he said, listen, Oscar, from now on, I don't want to work with anybody who does not have more than me or is more successful than me. And the first time he said that, I felt that's kind of not very humble of him. That's not a comment that came off right. And as I thought about it, I said, you know what? He's right. Basically, what he's saying is, bring people to work with that actually can teach us because of their own experience. Don't bring me the theory. Don't bring me people who think they can become. Bring me people who have become. Yeah. And so those people we can learn from, those people we want to work with because they have a proven formula. And so when you're looking for who's going to help you, find the people who know the formula who figured it out or cracked code so that you can now have a shortcut to the same road of success that they're on. Thank you so much for agreeing to take some of your time today, Oscar. I know that I got a lot out of this interview. I can guarantee you that our listeners definitely did too. My pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Um, I hope it, it was good and I had a lot of fun. So thanks for the invitation. Well, don't tell me that too much or I'll definitely invite you back. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's what we've got for you today. Make sure that you stay tuned next time for more actionable insights that we're bringing your way. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Profit First for Lawyers. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, tell a friend. 
and buy your copy of the book at ProfitFirstForLawyers.com. Your future self will thank you for it. And we will see you next time.